This is the Reconstructed Man Podcast, and I'm your host, Lane Ingram. The Reconstructed Man Podcast is a place where we explore the transgender experience, yes, we, you, and me, by sharing our stories and lifting up the voices of others. It is for everybody, trans, cis, and everywhere in between. It's about building connection and community, and I'm so glad that you're here. So, season four has been super fun so far. Um, I think that's been... I think what's been the most fun for me is just the small fact that I'm back doing the show, like on a consistent basis. I'm writing more on my blog, I am posting more social media content, uh, re-engaging in the fight for trans right, and it feels good. And doing this show and talking to all of you and getting to meet amazing trans people is one of my favorite things to do. And so on today's show, we're going to get to learn more about Clara Lefton, trans man from Wisconsin who reached out and said, hey, I'm trans and I want to be on the show. And like, first of all, that is a dream come true, come true email for me to get because it's like, I want to know all the trans people I can. And I want to share your story and I want to share your experience. And so back to Clara. So he starts to tell me all this cool stuff about his life and his journey. And he's like, you know, as an athlete in the media world and just walking through life as a trans man. So I'm very excited to meet him for the first time face to face and for all of you to get to hear from him. Um, I'm also going to share, obviously, what I love and hate about being trans. Um, and of course, you're never going to guess what happened to me. And so before we get into those segments, though, I want to bring Clara in. I want to say hi. I want to welcome you to the show. And I want to thank you for coming on. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Lane. Um, my name's Clara. Um, I'm just about 34 years old, and I currently live in Madison, Wisconsin, um, but I grew up on the East Coast. It's a recent move for me. Um, I just finished my law degree at Rutgers, and before that, um, I was a journalist. I'm also on the board of a marketing agency um, where I do some DEI work, and uh, I came out as trans uh, three years ago. I was out as a lesbian for 17 years before that. And so it's been quite a journey. And one of the best parts of coming out has been getting to know all these other amazing people and hearing how much I have in common with them. Um, I felt like in retrospect, I was grasping for straws so many other years of my life in terms of relating with people. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. I know, I know. I certainly know the feeling. It's like, why why is it okay but like it doesn't make sense <laughs> uh, we'll get more into that a little bit later okay so i do this thing where i talk about uh the things i love and hate about being trans and like there's always this caveat because i don't hate anything about being trans it's like the extra little things that are annoying or that come along with the journey um because the list of things that i love about being trans is exhaustive um so what do i love right now i think i'm gonna go with the community um, I love the trans community because it feels like it's a mix of like really brave, courageous people and then family. Um, you know, trans people are some of the strongest and bravest people I can think of. And at the same time, we find a way to make others in the community feel safe and feel loved and feel welcomed and supported like a family should. And so I wish there really was a way that I could meet every trans person in the United States um, because we're family, like maybe except for Caitlin and Buck, but like, otherwise I would like to meet everybody in the U S. So what do you love about being trans? 
Um, well, right now I'm loving trying all my clothes on post top surgery because I'm seven weeks today. So, Congratulations. Um, yeah, feeling, feeling like myself in my clothes. Thank you. That's um, awesome. I remember after my top surgery, I felt like nobody could tell me anything ever again. Like I just was like, what? I mean, like poking my chest out really for the first time ever and being proud of it. So congratulations. Seven weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, September 15th, it flew by. Wow, September 15th, awesome. Well, you got something to celebrate every year. Let's see, my surgery, my top surgery was in November. Okay, get this. I actually know the date was November 27th. My birthday is November 20th. And so it, I was having it a week later, man, 2017, six years ago. Wow, coming up on six years. So yeah, cool. All right, well, just... I can't imagine the euphoria. I mean, I can't imagine it. The euphoria that you feel when you get to put on clothes that like look the way you expect them to have looked. So yeah, awesome. Okay, well, when I think about what I what I hate about being trans, nothing. But one of those little things is how sometimes I get. I don't know. People say I tell a lot of my business on the show. What am I supposed to do? But one of those little things I hate is how I feel sometimes when I think about the past, <laughs> like. Like sometimes I have to black things out or forget about them for lack of better words, because they just don't fit in with who I am now. You know what I mean? Like I have 36 years of life in the wrong lane. See what I did there? Life in the wrong lane. That's also me. Okay. And a lot happened during that time. Like a lot, a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of experiences. And so I often struggle with reconciling my feelings about myself to myself. But I think that's why therapy is our friend, right? So what about you? Is there anything that you hate but not for real about being trans so far three years in? Um, yeah, I guess uh, dealing, dealing with name change stuff has been kind of uh, weighing on me a little bit. I'm planning on changing my middle name from um, Bell to Alexander. And there's been all different ideas about when I should wait to do it. Like as somebody who's going to be taking the Wisconsin bar exam, I was advised that, you know, you, you, there's like an ethics portion and you don't want anything to flag because technically mm -hmm. it would look like a pending court case. So it's like, wait until after you take the bar and, right. you know, then on top of it, you know, somebody sent me a list of all the different places to change your name, you know, like, I mean, the list was Daunting. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that part, I'm like, already, you know, preconceived headaches about, um, but, you know, it'll be worth it in the end. It certainly will. I wonder if Wisconsin is much like Michigan in that not only is it kind of a lengthy, tough-ish process, and not tough, like they've done some things to try to streamline it, but lengthy lots of steps to take it's also pretty like kind of expensive you know i mean if you're especially if you're a younger trans person maybe just starting out or you don't have a job or steady income or you don't have family support i mean i think after it's all said and done it's up over four hundred dollars i mean that's quite a bit yeah i think that's about comparable to what it is here um when i spoke with um, a licensed attorney about it a couple months ago and i think it really just depends on which judge you get in front of you know, like where you're located and whether they're going to give you a little bit more of a hard time about having it happen and how long it's going to take, et cetera. So, and um, Wisconsin, uh, I'm not planning on changing my gender marker anytime soon, but um, just another interesting fact, uh, you they won't let you change your gender marker um, unless you had a sex reassignment surgery. Literally, you wow. have to tell the government your private business. So, wow. yeah. Insane. Here, so a couple years ago, actually, our uh, Secretary of State 
was basically like you can walk in and be like i want to change my gender marker for 15 for 10 dollars i think it was and so that was awesome and it's like uh it it's a, that's another thing that people don't understand like nobody like these are difficult things that we have to do and think about and one of the things in our process is we have to um posted in the newspaper like in our local newspaper that we're changing our name you know and that's the reasoning is because like if anybody you know if you have any creditors coming after you or people looking for you like you have to give reasonable notice but it's like you gotta put I mean we have to put all our business out there um for real so wow that's a good one yeah i hate that too nice yeah uh, that sounds somewhere like uh, i was in philadelphia area for a while before and um new jersey is right next to it and in new jersey all you had to do was sign a piece of paper that says you know i wasn't committing fraud to change your name and i know in new york state you also have to have it published in a newspaper um so yeah there does seem to be some correlation across the states but it just varies so much it does it's hard we've got a really great county clerk here uh shout out barb byram uh but she put together this guide to change in your name um, in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so that's a resource I send out quite a bit because it's helpful because it's a hard thing to do. Um, so yeah, cool. All right, so now it's time for you'll never guess what happened. Um, this is kind of old now, but Cindy Lauper, you know who Cindy Lauper is? Of course. Okay, good. All right, I mean, you're a little younger than me, but Cindy Lauper commented on one of my videos on TikTok and that's like kind of sweet. Like, so there was this TikTok filter that had a, swinging clock and it's supposed to be like a before and after and so i found this photo of me when i was a little kid and i had like my cabbage patch kid and i still have him his name is peach um and so i basically did that picture from back then and then i took the same picture of me now <laughs> with cabbage patch but like the picture before i'm like a little girl with pigtails and like now i'm like a grown man and so it had the time after time song on it and she liked it. Like, did gave me a kissy face. So, that happened. Wow. Yeah, no, it's cool. I don't know, Cindy Lauper. I mean, she's got, she got at least two songs I really like. Are you big on TikTok at all? I'm more, I'm on Instagram, not TikTok. Yeah. You're an Instagrammer. I can't, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get better at Instagram. I'm thankful for my daughter. Like, I'm just not great at it, you know? I just, like very picturey and i'm not a picturey guy i guess um i don't know you met any celebrities uh do it like do i follow any celebrities no like have you met any oh in person yeah uh or on, on well i can say my recent instagram uh celebrity encounter great <laughs> um great it's i don't know if, uh I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the series transparent um that yeah. aired a while back so the I guess the showrunner or the producer, uh, Joey Soloway, followed me on Instagram a week or two ago. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Nice. Exactly. That was my recent social media celebrity encounter. Perfect. I love that. Yeah. I also today, this is a Friday. So um, <laughs> I listen to NPR a lot now, apparently. It's on SiriusXM. Well, I listen to this station. It's called Progress. And uh, there's this guy. And he's on every day from 12 to 3. And he's like this older white man. I'm not even playing. Like, he's like old kind of-ish. Probably. probably. Okay, don't be offended. I don't mean to be ageist people. I just mean like comparably to what I would hang out with. He's probably like 70-something. Which was the older white man. Like different experiences than us. But he's so great. Like he's so cool. He gets it. He's very smart. But he's also like a really smart historian type. Like he just knows stuff. So I like him. And so on Fridays, he does this thing where he's like, uh, anything goes Friday, you can just call in and talk. 
and I've been wanting to call in, but like, what am I going to say? But today I called in and I was talking about, um, because this documentary is out, right? Have you heard about this from PragerU? That's out right now. There's a documentary about these detransitioners. Well, have not, but I, I went to college with Annabella Rockwell, who was talking, who used to work for PragerU and was saying um, all this stuff. And it's yeah. very weird to see her be a figurehead for them. Yeah. So it's yikesy. And so I just went on there to basically say, because I'm imagining his listeners, like, have they ever, how many of them have like spoken to or heard a trans, like from our trans person in real life? And so I just said, all the misinformation that's out there, I want to speak from my perspective um, and what it means. And so anyway, I'm saying all this to say that at the end of the, conversation he was like thanks lane that was brilliant and i just want to say you know what tom thank you that made my day because i listen to you all the time anyway he's not a celebrity but he's cool <laughs> all right so let's get into it uh we've been hanging out with clara lefton former college rower trans guy mm -hmm. from wisconsin he's here to share his story and his journey um all right so i'm happy you're here thanks for being willing to talk to me and open up so you told us a little bit about yourself Let's go a little bit deeper. So like, where'd you grow up? Who are you? Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up in Connecticut outside of New York City um, in a more conservative town. Um, but I feel like I was kind of able to like make my way and, and still find some friends. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, when I look back on my childhood, there were always sort of signs that I was trans, but I just didn't really put all the pieces together until I was older. Um, you know, like being on the playground and like wanting to play with the boys, but I was a girl and not wanting to play house. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't really until I went to a women's college in Massachusetts called Mount Holyoke, where I first met another transgender individual. And I took like, you know, gender studies 101 course. And I remember sort of having this big realization, like my gender presentation is masculine, right? Sort of like the wheel starting to turn. But then kind of like, you know, putting that away back in the closet, you know, and like different years would go by and I kind of come back to it and then I kind of go back and ignore it again. So it was, it's kind of felt like always this push pull like throughout my lifetime. That is, I, I like, there's a few things that I love that you said, because let's go back to when you were a kid, right? And you're like on the playground or not wanting to play house. And people will say things right now, like, you know, even us, we use it in some of our, you know, we're in our talking points, we'd be like, it doesn't, you know, kids are kids, right? Like they like what they like. They like what they don't like, or they don't like what they don't like right now. And we have to give them space to be who they are. And, but there's something very real and important about when you absolutely don't want something, you absolutely don't identify with it. You absolutely can't get down with it. And that is something to pay attention to because I, I every trans person I've talked to has a story or a feeling like that, you know? And then when you talk about going to college, it's like, I just had no idea, dude. Like I just had no idea that that was an option. And when it be, and when I realized like that, that was, it was that existed, it was like, Oh my, like, Oh my God. And so I wonder if you could tell me more, a little bit more about the, like about the push pull. So like you had your first feeling where you're like, all right, I'm presenting masculine, but I'm still over here. But then you went back. Like what, like what, what, tell me about that. 
Sure, sure. And, and I can go back a little bit earlier, too. Like, even as a kid, like, I was never interested in dresses. My mom wanted to put bows in my hair or berets, clips, whatever. Like, I was always, like, into Power Rangers, you know, karate, like, wanted to play ice hockey. Like, there was, it was not a surprise. To, and, I mean, it might have still been a surprise to some people, but I was not someone who went from, like, very girly to very masculine. I always was kind of on that path. Um, and, like, I had a lot of arguments uh, with my parents growing up, you know, um about like what toys I could play with like Power Rangers dolls were acceptable but not the Megazords because those were more masculine I couldn't have an N64 but I could have a Game Boy that was less masculine like right. there were all these like <laughs> rules I had to follow we were always like debates about like what toys or what clothes I could wear and like you know how much of it would be like well at least this percentage is pink so it's okay but the rest of it is blue you know it was just like always a struggle um, and I, I definitely remember being in college and like going to the mall by my own, you know, having a little bit of my own money and being like, I'm going to buy cargo shorts. Like my mom would never let me buy cargo right. shorts, right? And that felt so rebellious, like buy my own cargo shorts. Yeah. Um, but yeah. important, but important. You had to get your own cargo shorts. No, that's, that's incredible. I, man, it's hard not to. I'm not jealous. I'm happy for everyone in their own journey. But like, I also sometimes wonder what it would have been like if I had known or if I, if I had taken any steps to like dig deeper into why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. Like you talking about going to get your cargo shorts reminds me of when I first started shopping in the men's section and I used to do such stupid things. Like I, um, at Macy's, I would go in the men's section and I'd like take out my phone and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. What what size did you say he was? Like what? When I see like somebody coming, like what a weirdo. Like just go get what you want. So, but I'd never tied that to, you know, maybe there's something else going on. It was just like, this is how you dress and what you feel most comfortable in. And it's like, what are you? I don't know. I I think it's awesome for you that you got to dig into that you know yeah for sure I and definitely like arguments about clothes and not understanding like I always like to boxier cut I, and you know <laughs> I would always just be like I'm picky I'm a really picky shopper like you know online shopping's not for me I have to see it in person you mm -hmm. know and I didn't really realize that I was just like oh I want it to be totally flat here you know and honestly, even like it wasn't um like I, I'm married I've been with my wife almost eight years and um you know, I came out three years ago and maybe, maybe four years ago, we were having a conversation. You know, sometimes you talk to your partner, Hey, can I post this photo of us? Whatever. Do you think this one's cute? And she was like, you always tell me no on the photos where you can see your boobs. And I'm like, like, you know, just in a shirt. And I was yeah. like, Oh, I didn't realize that until somebody wow. else pointed it out to me. You know, I, like in my head, I was just like, don't like it. Didn't think anything <laughs> right. of it. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They always know though. I mean, they, they know. That's great. I love that for you, too, that you guys have been together eight years and you just came out three years ago. So my wife and I, we just celebrated seven years of marriage and we've been together about 10, maybe. And so I came out seven years ago, roughly. Well, 2017, six years ago. Yeah, six years ago. And so it's awesome to have somebody that just loves you. I'm happy for you and her absolutely we'll yeah do, like, no. zoom drinks hmm, sorry we have to do like zoom drinks or something like a couple oh. date night sounds great yeah cool. for sure so all right you answered one of my other questions you're married so i feel like i know how you identify so let me 
let me ask you, what made you want to come on the show? Like, that's probably a simple question, but it's like sometimes when you put it out there, like, hey, if you're part of the community and especially if you're trans, come talk to me. Um, sometimes people are wary to do so. And then sometimes people send you an email. So what made you want to come on and talk? Yeah, for sure. I just, you know, I think so much uh, back to that childhood experience uh, that you also you described of just not knowing it was an option to be a trans person. Um, you know, like, it was it kind of felt like fantastical, like, it's like, oh, that's this like being a boy or a man that would be like, you know, unicorns or mermaids, like, it's just not real, but that would be cool. You know, and um, I just think visibility is so important. And for me, feeling more comfortable in myself. So much of that was talking to other people. The first year that I came out, I decided to transition socially first before thinking about any sort of medical intervention. And I basically spent that first year like listening to podcasts, like going to support groups, like, you know, reading memoirs by people who had transitioned. And um, yeah, I just even even so, you know, when I, I talk to people, you know, they might be like, you're the first trans person I've, I've ever met, you know, and it, obviously they probably know, know somebody else. They just don't know that. Right. But um, I just I just feel like we're at such an interesting time in, in history. And I'm happy to to set an example for, for the future. Yeah. And just tell people it's OK to be you. It's so important. And everybody doesn't do that. and Everybody doesn't have to do that. But as many of us who can stand up and stand out and speak out the better. Um, wow. You said something so cool. You're like, uh, so you decided to transition socially first. What, what, what was your thought process behind that? And I'll tell you why I'm asking after you answer. Sure. Um, well, for me, um, I had a uh, really significant like shoulder injury at the time. And, and part of, putting the pieces together was uh, really having to think about my posture. And I, I realized how bad my, my chest dysphoria was. And um, at the time I was like, Oh, maybe I want to have top surgery, but I'm in law school right now. And I don't know mm -hmm. how the timing would work. And I'm not, I, I just like, wasn't sure about um, if I wanted to start hormone replacement therapy, I had kind of existed in this like gender queer space for a long time. And um, I sort of, uh, there's kind of this, talking point about like am I trans enough you know and I was like am I am I really a trans man am I somewhere in the wow. middle like I just kind of had this moment where I was like okay I'm not a girl like period like that is definitely <laughs> yep, determined that, that. and like yeah so it was um through going and talking to other trans people that I realized the like am I trans enough talking uh question comes up it felt like that was like the most trans thing possible. Like I didn't meet a lot of people who were so confident because everything in society tells you like, no, this isn't you. Like that's not culturally acceptable. Like that can't be reality. Um, so yeah, I think um, I'm also just a risk avoidant person. And mm -hmm. so I just felt like I'm going to try to get as much information as possible about this. Um, so, and it was also the pandemic. So I could kind of, um, I wasn't seeing people in person all the time. So it was like, oh, people who I would see in person would be respectful because they'd be people close to me, right? So, um, yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. The reason why I was asking is because it, again, is an, it's such a, it's, it, it reminds me of how different we all are, yet the same, but like different. Like when I realized I was trans, I 
was like full steam ahead. There was nothing going to stop me from doing all the things. Like I need, <laughs> I need a therapist tomorrow that's going to talk to me and write me this letter. I need to find whatever the clinic is going to be that's going to give me my stuff. Um, and I remember when I first started taking testosterone and I started getting like a couple little whiskers, I, it, my top dysphoria became unbearable for me. And I think that's so interesting. Like we went through this so differently. Like you wanted, you took your time. You were like, let me see what this is like. And you know, you had to deal with the, am I trans enough? Which is like, absolutely. Like if you think like, if you are, you are, you know, but, and, and there's nothing wrong with that path. Like you found yourself your way. Right. And like, I found myself my way and they're both exactly right for us. I mean, I, I think that's so, I think that's so awesome to have a completely different way around it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Everybody, everybody has their moments. And, and since then I have made the decision. I, I am on HRT at this point. Um, but yeah, it just took me a little bit to, to come to that. Um, and even just the practical decisions, um, you know, I have ADHD and I take medication for that. And my psychiatrist was like, that might impact your dose. It might impact your focus. Like, yeah. you know, I was just trying to manage my day-to-day -day life and, you know, it is a substance that you're putting in your body. So, yeah. um, but yeah, ultimately I did make the decision to start and, and I'm very happy about it. Well, it's like, that's what people also don't get though. You are like, we, there's a lot to think about. I mean, that is, it's a, <laughs> the life changing situation and, things that you do forever. I mean, like, it's not like it's going to be over. I mean, we, we're going to do this forever, you know? And so absolutely, it's interesting. And you, I mean, obviously you did it right because you're you, you know what I mean? That's the thing is like, who you did it right, you know? Um, speaking of though, like the world and everything that's going on, how are you handling all that's going on? And I mean that in all the different ways. Like we just had a mass shooting a week and a half ago. Like we've got this, Prager U documentary out. We got this new speaker of the house who's like talking about. I mean, there's there's this, there's a lot out there. And so how how do you handle it? And how are you handling it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I am somebody who certainly takes advantage of like mental health resources, right? I go to uh, three years and up trans uh, support trans mask support group twice a month, which is really great. Um, I do regularly attend. Um, therapy and I would say like I have I have some good friends who are like an emotional support system um, so and I, I'm I'm an extrovert and I'm a talker so you know I think for me processing things verbally you know w with whomever is always um, good but um, yeah I mean it, it is just a rough time and, and it's getting darker now we're getting into daylight savings so and I live in Wisconsin now and I have a Wisconsin winter ahead of me so um, yeah, it, it is a little bit looming. Um, I, I don't know that I have the, the best suggestion, but, um, but I, I'm, I'm, ch I'm ch chucking along and, and I'm confident in the supports that I have. That's good. Uh, we both live in the Midwest, you know, and I feel you 100% on the darkness, on the coldness and on the winterness. And I'm not looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, today, I just took my boat to go be winterized and shrink wrapped and I want to cry. I don't want to cry because it's over. But you're in Wisconsin and there's apparently some incredible lake. I'm sure there's more than one, but there's some incredible lake there that my dad says I have to go to to fish. And so I want to want to see. All right. Yeah. So tell me, uh, do you like to fish? I've never been. I, you know, being socialized as a woman, no one ever told me that was never a thing that happened. But, you know, maybe something on the list. 
Yeah. So I didn't start fishing until 2020, actually, um, in the during the pandemic. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, it's uh it's peaceful, it's it's pretty chill and fun. I'm actually thinking of starting this program that I want to talk to you about off of the show because I don't want anybody to steal my idea. I'm kidding. Um, so tell me, uh, what is your what's your passion? Okay, so you worked in journalism, done DEI work, been in PR, about to take the bar. Like, I mean, what what do you love to do? Uh, yeah, right. I mean, I guess there's like personal and, and professional, but I, I guess I have kind of blended. I mean, for me, like I saw going to law school as like an opportunity to help other people and figure out more about how the country operates. Um, you know, I think uh, growing up, I, I felt like I didn't fit in a lot. And so being a reporter kind of gave me a voice and a platform, even if I wasn't talking about myself, I was reporting on other people's issues, it, it felt meaningful. But um. Uh, in 2016, the Democratic National Convention came to Philadelphia and I got to cover it and like be there and see all the speeches. And, you know, then obviously like Trump was elected. And, and so I kind of was left with this feeling of like, oh, how can I actually be doing something instead of reporting, you know, on something like actually be making the change instead of just talking about it. So, um, yeah. So for for me, I think I'm I'm trying to find a career where I feel good about what I'm doing at the end of the day and that I'm helping people um, this past earlier this year I, I interned with a, a federal judge and I absolutely like loved that um like a dream job would probably be to um be a staff attorney so you basically assist the judge with cases and it's like how could I impact things more it's like you're literally talking with the judge about like well right. should I do this or shouldn't do this shouldn't I do this you know so um yeah I guess um I, your, I think your passion all... is helping people yeah for sure and and you know I, I think there's also the sort of uh weird sort of parallel element which comes um next to it which I, I think has to do with my trans identity because for so long there was this like repression and like you know kind of knowing that there was this like thing about myself that I thought was so negative and terrible and shameful and so I think I kind of created these career paths where it was like look I'm adding value to the world like I'm being a good person you know like trying to place moral uh value on me because I like had this like shameful thing about myself Wow. Um, yeah. So it's interesting how it comes out. No, that sucks though. I know exactly what you mean. It's like, dang, I'm just yeah. I just want to be a gr I want to be a good, great role model. I'm just trying to be a good person. But it's like, man, okay. It reminds me of when uh, there was another mass shooting, but the person identified as trans. You know, and I was like, they couldn't wait to jump on that. And it's like we can't. It feels like we can't do anything. Um, and so I totally. I totally get what you mean. I I, I feel that too. Um, wow. Okay. You know what I haven't asked you about? I haven't asked you about your, which maybe we don't, we don't want to talk about, but I haven't asked you about your family. Like, are you like, you got, you got a big family, you guys close. Like, how are they? How were they? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I have uh, my immediate family is five people. I have two siblings. I'm the oldest and, and I have my parents. Um, I have, uh, I have, you know, some aunts and uncles and like cousins that, you know, I'm close with, um, so, but overall, my my family has been supportive. Um, my mom's brother, my um, uncle is gay, and obviously it's a different, you know, LGBTQ alphabet, but that has certainly been really helpful just to kind of have that, you know, it's like, okay, the family kind of dealt with that a little bit 20 years prior, and it's like, here's a new member. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's gone in stages, right? Because I first came out at 13 as, like, gay or lesbian. I never really liked lesbian because I felt it was too feminine. That's the <laughs> um, worst word. No, listening to you talking, I'm like, God, I don't like talking to myself. No, I get it. It's the worst word. I refuse to call myself that. <laughs> yeah, right, for sure. I just imagine, like, nail polish. I don't know. But I feel like this was still, like, a little bit different because, you know, when you come out about your sexuality, you're just kind of being like, I'm giving you information, like, you know, but, but when you come out as trans and maybe you're asking about pronouns or about a different name, then you're actually requiring somebody to do something different to make a change. And so it's kind of a bigger ask. Um, uh, I mean, overall, like my wife has been amazing. I think, you know, it's, it's taken my dad some time to come around. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're on the right track. Um, you know, I like I, I have attended holidays like at no point have I been like banned from anything. Great. Um, but th there are certain, you know, there have certainly been tough discussions, um, you know, uh, but but I appreciate having them. You know, my 91 year old grandmother has asked me to explain what non-binary is, wow. you know, and I'm like, OK, cool. Sure. I never ex I expected her. You know, I was just going to let her have a pass. Like, I, you know, I was just like a, such a different generation. Right. But I appreciate her trying to engage with me about things that are outside of her scope. So. I love that for you. No, that's great. I mean, it's like uh, when I think about when it hits me, what I've, how I've impacted the people in my life, their lives, how I've in impacted their lives. I mean, it's not lost on me. The other day, in fact, I was just telling my wife, I'm like, think about when your brothers and your dad and your family, like, think about when they met me. Like, this wasn't it like this what like this wasn't it you know it wasn't deep voice and I didn't have a beard and like now I am and they are so great but like that is a big ask it is um and it just and it's it is in that when you take a second to think about what people have to get used to in the cognitive dissonance and the you know social pressures like yeah so I'm I'm happy for you I mean I'm glad that you have that support too so let's see, three years. Yeah, ago, you were in your thirties, though. So, yeah, I was. I was like just about to turn thirty when I came out. Yeah, and I'm just about to turn thirty-four. So, yeah. Cool. I think that helps. I think a little bit later in life, a little bit more established. I think that also helps with just how you deal with it overall. In in the cases of when people don't react well or give you the response that you'd hope for, I mean being older, having your own home and, you know, thing and people in your life kind of can make it easier sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was the most nervous to talk to my mom about it um, just because we are so close. Um, and I, you know, it, it was okay, but you know, I couldn't, I was like, when am I going to pick the day? What's going to be the day? And I actually ended up choosing that 30th birthday because I was like, well, this, if I, cause I knew it was going to be upsetting, but I was like, well, this day's already supposed to be about me. Right. <laughs> like I'm right. Here, this Smart. Like the appropriate day. Yeah. Right. Do you really want to be upset with me on my birthday? Very smart. Right. I like that. So did you have any uh, sip any brothers before? Like, do you have brothers or, or your siblings? Uh, yeah, my siblings are sis. I have a younger sister and a younger brother. Same. I have, I'm the oldest two-ish. I mean, my, uh, anyway, I have a younger brother and younger sister. And one of these days I'm going to have a conversation. I want to, maybe I'll get a round table of trans guys who also have brothers. So that we can talk about that. Because I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but like there's something in there that we should talk about. And it's just in uh, relationships with, 
you know, sons and their moms, like the difference in the relationship after you transition, if there is one. Um, I think that's a interesting topic. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think there are two two things to talk about there, just in terms of for me, maybe like jealousy of seeing my brother like treated as as a boy growing up and you know, even though it was like subconscious. And then I think the other thing for me is also in terms of the pressure like that I see my sister have. Um, my mom's gotten a lot better about it, but definitely like I think even like after I like finally cut off my hair and was like really masculine or like in between for a long time, like my mom kind of, you know, kind of, I feel like kind of diverted from all the the pressure about getting married and like having a, you know, the white picket house, but then it kind of all went to my sister too. So yeah. (laughs) Your sister's looking at you like, come on. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Wow. Um, okay. So tell me about being an athlete. Um, college athlete i i get it tell me like how does that influence or not your life now um for sure i mean uh i think being an athlete was such a big uh, such a big part of my life it was you know one of the one places where i really felt um celebrated and it was like it didn't it didn't matter what I was wearing right like everybody's wearing the same team uniform like but it's like we all have this goal and it was like doing things that might could also be viewed as masculine you know like sports or strength or like success or whatever was like socially acceptable and it was okay um and so I always like um leaned really hard into that and that those were always my sources of friendships growing up were team sports Um, and then I think as I got older, I got really into rowing, especially in college, I rode NCAA D3. Um, and it was the only atmosphere I'd ever been in where women, where women weightlifting was like totally normalized and like what you're supposed to be doing. Right. And so I think it almost became this thing where, and then I, you know, I rode for like 17 years, um, uh, where it was like, that was my way of sort of being a man. It was like, I did this really macho thing, you know, like, it's like, you get up really early and it's supposed to be really tough. And like, it's really like militaristic. There's like, you know, particular orders about how, you know, somebody's like calling out how you put the boat in and out. And so it kind of was like this like weird escapism where I was like, in this parallel universe doing this really masculine thing, um, but still not realizing why that was so important to me. <laughs> right. Wow. And like rowing is intense. I mean, I'm just a bystander looker person of you rowing prowess people, but it looks like you got to have some real upper body strength and it looks <laughs> intense. So that's awesome. And you were doing a lot of little stuff that should have been giving you some clues. I mean, I can look back on that too, but like you were doing some stuff that should have been letting you know maybe something's going on there. I love that. That you get to look back on it though. Yeah, it's amazing what you can like be in denial about for so long. And I would have all these people, like I'd get my hair cut and the barber would be like, what are your pronouns? And I'd be like, she, her, for now. Like who says for now? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> that's funny so and i was okay. going to a barber and, and i wasn't and i was still identifying as a woman but that's what i'm saying you're what that's what i mean you were you were right there you just you know it's all we all take our own we all take our own journey okay i guess let's go there though so at the point where you were like i'm trans what was like what was happening like what what made the switch right like what was it 
Yeah, it was um, a really intense time period. Like, I mean, first of all, it was like, um, it was about to be daylight savings. We were, we didn't know what was going to happen with the next election for 2020. Um, and so it was getting darker out. It was political stress. I had, um, my shoulder was really bug bugging me and I was like about to, uh, I was debating whether I was going to need to take medical leave for a semester from law school. And, um, you know, I had to stop rowing and I was kind of like all these things of my identity, like professionally and personally and like the athletic thing. And I was like, why can't I just relax and be like, my body needs to chill, you know, like something's come up or whatever. And I, I realized that I had been doing all these things to be like an A-type personality, right? To create value and to be like, look, I look so good on paper because like deep down, I'm totally not that little girl that everybody wanted in mm -hmm. both, you know, like the whole time. Um, and, um, so I was kind of on this dog walk one day and I kind of just like, like, I don't know, just like thinking about all the things. And I just like, kind of had this thing where I was just like, I'm not a girl. Like it just kind of, it's just like, it just all clicked. And I basically just like came home and like hugged my wife and just started like sobbing. Like mm -hmm. that was, yeah. The moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you, okay. So let me ask you this. When you said that, when you said it, when you felt it, when you said it to yourself in that moment, like, did it like, was there not this moment of like clarity plus calm plus like, wow. And then it followed by intense anxiety and fear. But you know what I mean? Like when you realized it, like, did you have the moment where it was like, where it, where it like really clicked where you, you know, after you said it to yourself and you're like, that's, this is 100% right. Yeah. I, it, it just, it did feel like it was, there was no going back. There was no questioning anymore. Like it was just like, I'm definitely not a woman. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, just a lot of feelings at once, you know, yeah. just like just a lot, you know, how am I going to tell people what is this going to look like? Like, what do I want to do? Like, what does this mean? Like, should I talk to some other people? Like I, like, I just felt like I didn't really know much, about what any of the path was like yes i was out as like gay or lesbian for 17 years and that's part of lgbt but that doesn't mean you know anything about trans health care like it's no. completely different you know like i was totally ignorant so i just felt like okay i have more information about myself and now i have no idea what to do with it <laughs> but maybe i can find a way to be happier yep yeah i have more information about myself and zero information about myself right now <laughs> that's what mm -hmm. it's like at the beginning wow Okay, so the Diversity Advisory Council you talked about. What? Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. What do you do? How'd you get involved? All that. Sure. Um, so it's an advertising agency called Slice Communications. Um, they're based out of Philadelphia. Um, I originally met them through journalism because I wrote about some different things that they were involved with. And uh, they have a panel um, that of people of diverse backgrounds, whether that's like race, gender, sexual orientation, um, and basically when they put together a marketing campaign, you know, maybe you have, um, they call it like a marketing deck, like a PowerPoint, you show the client, this is the direction that we want to take your advertisement. So they will um, put uh, like a call out to people on the board and say, hey, we'd like to have four people come and review, you know, the kind of content, whether that's like images or like the actual wording that they're going to use in ads. And this wow. could be like a whole campaign, right? This could be a commercial, this could be social uh social media this could be like email marketing um and so then you can get feedback like hey you know like you could use to be you know you have too many just white people in your ads you know like there are right. so many different things where you could be like you're missing the mark on this and so it's it's like an attempt to try to like hold them to a higher standard 
Um, and it's, uh, it's been really cool. Um, and I've met, met some interesting people. Um, so yeah, the, uh, it's, a it's, it's freelance. I, I, I do a couple projects for them throughout the year and, um, awesome. yeah, I've enjoyed it. And it's a w- woman owned business too. So love that. That's awesome because I mean, I almost want to like take that and, uh, suggested at my job, just our marketing department, just in general, because we do, a, I mean, we do a good job of, we try to do a good job of being, you know, being aware of what we're putting out there and making sure that everybody's represented and everybody feels welcome. But it's like, what a great idea to hold yourself accountable by bringing in all these different people and saying, look at our stuff. How does it make you feel? Um, and I love that you're one of the people that get to do that because your voice is in the room, you know, like all, like all of your voice. And one thing I want to, I'm sure you know this. I know you know this because in talking to you already, I can tell you're very smart and very great and very awesome. But you do know that as you continue through your transition, as you get older, as you whatever, go forth in your career, because it sounds, I mean, you could be anywhere in rooms with people that I might not be like, you know, the privilege that you will have, right? Like as a white man, Mm-hmm. you you have inherently you will inherently have it and it's going to be important how you use it and so i love that you're already already doing that you know because it would be easy for you to just live at some point you know what i mean it'd be easy for you to live and and nobody and for nobody to know it'd be easy for me yeah. to nobody know but like we're not going to do that I, I think for me, part of keeping my name, which is stereotypically feminine, was like wanting to always be out, like not wanting to blend in, not wanting to just be like another like cis white man, right? Like I just, you know, it was like everybody's always going to pause on Clara and be like, what? You know, I just, I, yeah, I, I really hated that idea. I mean, I'm sure it'll still happen, you know, based on strangers, like, et cetera. They don't talk to me. They don't know my name, whatever. But um, uh, yeah. I don't know. I couldn't imagine after being like, you know, you're, I felt so visible as like a masculine presenting woman for so long, like yeah. standing out in a crowd or having yeah. people stare and then just like blending in. It's like a yeah. short like dude was like kind of a weird concept. It's the worst kind of. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's so great because I look how I want to look and I'm being received as I want to be received. But I'm like, but wait, no, I, I'm a, that's what I want to be like. But anyway, that's good. And I, that's so interesting that you are standing so firmly about your name. How wonderful, brave, and cool of you is what that makes. Thank me. you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess feedback that I, I, I know it opens like me to uh, other people, maybe to more error just because it is like so traditionally female, but I just feel like it's, it's a conversation opener. Um, and, and, you know, I've had people be like, it would be easier for me. And I'm like, it's not about what's easy for you. It's felt weird for me the whole time. And now you can feel weird saying clarity and yeah, yeah. me feeling weird. <laughs> well, and it's like, so even for me, so we're, I'm a trans dude, right? So I see your name come across and to me, it's like my, my first thought was, okay, we hadn't met yet. So my first thought is obviously I go like, dang, um, he must be worried about his family or he must have to go by X, Y, and Z because of this. Um, or he had like all the reasons that we have to have to protect ourselves, but you have taken the power of your own name back. I mean, that's almost like a flip it on its head. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so my middle name is Bell, right? I'm named after my great grandmother. And um, when I was six, Disney's Beauty and the Beast came out and everybody was like Princess Bell. And I, all of a sudden I was like, oh no, I don't want to be associated with that. So 
I had no idea what reclaiming my name was at six, but I sort of had this like mental separation in my head. And since six, it was like, I'm just Clara, not Clarabelle. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I've just decided to run with it. Um, looking forward to, to when I have Clara Alexander uh, legally as my name. Nice. Alexander, I actually wanted Alex as my name. Uh, and I, I didn't succumb to the pressure, I wouldn't say, but I... So, like, my government name, I just dropped the A off the front of it. And in my family, people called me Lane all the time anyway. So it was like, I knew another dude whose name was Lane spelled out my name is. And I was just like, okay, that's fine. It's easy. But it's like, who needs easy when you want to be Alex? But my wife is like, I don't know if I want to call you Alex. And I was like, that is really rude. And also, there was this guy in the past with one of my friends who was kind of a jerk and his name was Alex. And I was like, so, but good for you on Alexander. Okay. <laughs> okay. I hear you though. There's pressure in renaming yourself. And then everybody who you already know, you're going to have to say, no, I'm using this new name. And then they're going to be like, why did you choose that? And then you feel responsible to be like, I was very thoughtful. And these are all the reasons why it's the perfect name. And it's like, it's kind of a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. And it's like, also, just call, like yeah I don't, I don't, what call me what i'm asking but yeah no so my name is a cop out and i'm not brave and strong like you i'm kidding <laughs> it's fine it works um all right let's see what else do i want to know about you uh okay you said you go to this trans masculine support group um what's that all about like whoa i want i want yeah yeah for sure um so originally it is actually run out of the Oakland LGBT Center in California. They used to have, uh, my friend Finn lived in Oakland at the time, and he wanted to try to find a group of just trans masks um, people to relate to. And a lot of the support groups that he was going to tended to be heavily like trans feminine and, um, or a lot of younger people. And he felt as somebody coming out in his forties that he had a different experience. Mm -hmm. And so he created his own group. Um, during the pandemic, it went on Zoom and um, and I found it. And at this point, like um, people come from like all over. There's somebody from the Chicago area. There's a lot of people in Philadelphia. There's somebody in New Jersey. There's like there's some people from across the nation. Um, and it's like every first and third Monday of the month. Um, and it's peer support. So my friend Finn is not a therapist. Um, but, uh, basically, you know, uh, you could have anywhere from like, I don't know, 17 to, or sorry, seven to 20 people, just depending on the day. And I, I've developed relationships with some of these people and I've seen them when I've traveled. Um, it's been, you know, made, uh, friendships outside of group. Hey, I really enjoyed, you know, hearing you talk about the subject. Can we have a phone call about that later? Um, and that was just really helpful in terms of like finding community and support, um, uh, yeah. And I, you know, cause, because it's the 30 plus group, um, I've also, the oldest member that I've met is 73 wow. and that's been so cool when, who wow. came out 30 years ago. Um, wow. the, the, the different Dennis and the different challenges that he's had in like, including socially, like he was telling us how back in the day he would have to make up stories about like, um, being in Vietnam because he wasn't there. Because, you know, he didn't get drafted. Oh, right. trans it was like a social faux pas that he had to try to, like, navigate. And I was like, oh, my God, I never even thought about that. So, yeah, it's really interesting to hear everybody's stories um, from all different timelines. And so just, I highly recommend, yeah, awesome. finding like, one. Just another reminder of, like, 
We've just been around a long time. And people have been fighting mm -hmm. this fight for a long time. And you and I get to be on this, doing this because of them. I mean, it's just is that's awesome. I love that idea of a group. So here, um, I actually just got the email today. I'm gonna be on we have it's called the Salas Center. It's kind of like our LGBTQ plus center. Um, I'm gonna be on their board here starting in December, and I'm super excited about that. Um, because I'm 100% biased in our little alphabet mafia community. Like, I only care about trans people. No, I'm kidding. I care about us all, but, like, I have a real care for trans youth and, you know, people who are trans, making sure that they know that they're loved and welcomed and and that they matter and not, not crazy. Um, and so I'm just, I'm looking forward to that. And so I might be reaching out to say, you know, like, how did you guys get this going in your area or, you know, any, any suggestions? Cause we need that. I mean, we need that here. There's, I'm not the only trans guy in, in my area. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm sure Finn would love to to talk with you who, who started the group and, and runs it and can give you some, some great advice. Um, and, and sort of, I think having it only like once or twice a month versus weekly creates incentive, incentive for people to come. Cause if it's every week, people are like, Oh, I have something yeah. this week, you know, whatever. But having it monthly or twice a month, it's like, Oh, well, I got to go. Otherwise I'm, you know, not going to miss it. it. So yeah. Get, yeah. You get better turnout that way. Um, so, you know, and, and the group has guidelines about like certain language that you're uh, supposed to use or not use, you know, um, I'm not doing a good job of describing it, but, but yeah, there, there's certainly more, some information you could take back with you. Definitely. Great. Awesome. Well, I mean, dang, it's been, uh, it's been great talking to you and, and getting to know you. I appreciate you coming on my show. Um, I think, you know, what, what do you, what's coming up next for you? What do you got going on next? What's happening next? What should we be on the lookout for? Am I going to, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to see you in a couple of years, like, I don't know, as a national correspondent or something. I don't know. But what's coming up next for you? That would be cool. Yeah. I mean, we'll see um, what I what I end up doing if I, if I end up combining uh, law and journalism down the line or not. Um, yeah, right now I'm uh, planning on taking the bar exam in February and uh, looking for some um, associate attorney positions in Madison. Um, I'll keep keep an eye out. Maybe maybe work with some judges. We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I, I also, it looks like I'm going to be doing some writing for Our Lives Wisconsin, the local LGBT newspaper in Madison, um, as well. So, um, yeah, I'll have some bylines coming up. Well, good. Well, thanks for reaching out to me. Um, let's, let's keep in touch. Thanks for the work you're doing. Thanks for being part of that diversity council. Um, and really thanks for being open and honest and sharing because we have similarities, but you brought some different things that I don't think people that listen to my show have heard before. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, and so thank you again for coming on my show. Um, and let's make sure that we stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know if, if you're ever in Madison. I've never been to Michigan, but now that I moved to the Midwest about a year ago, I'm sure I'll make it over at some point. Yeah. And we got to go fishing. I think I'll probably, I'll find a way to get to Wisconsin. I will, because I'm into putting my boat in any water I can. Okay. All right. All right, everybody. Well, if you want to talk to me, there's an easy way you can do it. If you want to talk to me, you want to share your story, your experience on the show, send me an email at thereconstructedman at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at DRM Podcast. I love this show and I love talking to all of you. Thank you for listening. Go check out my website, thereconstructedman.com for more videos and resources. If you want to know what I'm up to, check out my blog. Now, keep doing you. 
because nobody can do you better than you can. I'm Lane Ingram, and this is the Reconstructed Man Podcast.